This is Vidya Sriram. I am the Senior Technical Advisor for Knowledge Management and Research in the Food and Nutrition Security Unit. Hi, hello. I'm Hanu Chanove. I'm the Senior Director for Food Security and Nutrition at Care USA. Why don't you start by telling us about the failure you want to talk about today? A proposal for the Feed the Future program of US, USA. This is a massive program that uh, CARE has been getting funding from for many years. Much of this programming is actually for more humanitarian related uh, proposals, but there is also substantial funding, which is more for, for development or transition programming. Now we have a number of programs for where we are priming and a number of other programs where we are studying, and some of these programs are really very large. Uh, there is one, for instance, which is 90 million. It's now in its third phase in Bangladesh. So it's a very significant part of CURE portfolio, of CURE funding, and I would say, of course, reputation these days in the FNS spectrum. So this year, we decided to pursue one of these opportunities in Niger. Niger is a Sahelian country, a uh, tricky one in many regards, because, of course, poverty is very high, education rates are low, uh, inequity between men and women, it's, it's, it's horrendous. And also in terms of, of uh, ecological patterns, because of expansion of, of the Sahara, the certification drops, and uh, eventually uh, the constant danger of further security risks because of the presence of uh, radical groups in some parts of the Sahel, etc. So it was a quite com complex program to put forward in a country office Niger, which is very special to occur because that's exactly where our views list started many years ago, probably more than 20 years ago, I guess. Um, so it's a very strong country office with a very strong team, a diverse portfolio on, on food security and resilience and climate change, on value chains and so on and so forth. So putting forward one of these proposals is really a massive exercise that requires very substantial resources. Resources that normally incur put forward by our competitive uh, bits unit, CBU, which is ultimately responsible for, for producing the proposal. In concurrence, of course, with all the technical relevant teams, which in this case, it's mainly our team, food security and nutrition, but given the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, complexity of this proposal and the fact that it's basically multi-sectorial, also many other teams, including gender, HRSR, water, etc., were also part of this effort, as well, of course, as the country office, which is the owner of the process and ultimately the responsible for the implementation of the program if we succeed. So as part of this process, there is always this super important stage, which is the workshops for putting together the theory of change. In this regard, this is not something fundamentally different to what we or any other development organization would do when, when designing a new proposal, which is basically bringing together the different stakeholders and analyze the main problems. And there are a number of tools to do that, gathering information, sharing the information on what the context of the country is, exchanging ideas, and on that basis, putting together the log frame for the program, which is, you know, uh, to agree on a set of uh, goals and outcomes and activities and doing that in a participatory manner. So what I'm going to talk about is how, uh, you know, one of these workshops that we conducted uh, for putting forward this proposal for Niger, for, for USG, uh, happened and, and why I think uh, we failed in getting the best out of that workshop. Because I think it says a lot in terms of how we operate and how we should change in operating in a different manner. All right. Well, tell us what went wrong. Okay, I could say that the first thing is that uh, 
Um, you know, there was like 30 or 35, maybe 40 people invited for that opportunity. It was, a, you know, almost one week long worship. And uh, probably half, if not more, of the participants were people which were not based in Niger. So it was people coming from external teams, from FNS, many people, but also from other teams in U.S., um, and also from even from, from European core members, making certain expertise, et cetera. So putting aside all the inefficiencies in terms of cost and carbon footprint and so on and so forth, yes, the very fact that all of us, because I was one of those, uh, were uh, you know, relatively uh, uh, new to Niger context, meant eventually that it was you know, us um, populating with our ideas and voices a debate that in principle by definition should be basically driven by the by the needs of Niger. Um, then the other thing is that virtually everyone in that meeting room was from Niger, from CARE, either as I said from other parts of CARE or from CARE Niger, which was also of course very well represented, plus few people from some uh, organizations with whom we were planning to partner for implementing the program, like uh, WaterAid or Cornell, right? Um, but there was there was virtually no no people from 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 other stakeholders, right? And then if we could dig further into who was sitting there, very few people were actually from the very working in the very area where the program was was going to be implemented, even though Care has some substantial programs in those areas. So from day one, you know, me and few others, we were feeling like, I mean, we need something, right? I mean, I'm very sure that we are going to have a lot of, of good quality theoretical discussions because everyone in the room is right and knowledgeable, but I wonder how relevant these conversations will be to the very context and the reality of this country. So I think one of the main failures was just the composition of the people. I mean, the composition of the participation in the group. That was one. Another key issue there, which I think we, we often just, you know, do not pay sufficient attention in care, was the translation issue, right? I mean, you know, Niger, it's, a, it's not a French-speaking country. It's a country where dozens of local languages are spoken, and French is the official language for, for and secondary language for many people. So on top of this second language for, for, for our Nigerian colleagues, they would have to use English, and many of them were pretty fluent on it. But it doesn't matter how fluent you are in a language. It's not your mother tongue or at least your second language. I mean, you will probably not feel the same in a, in a meeting of that characteristics, especially if you have to talk about your own country, your own people, and the needs of your, of your country, right, and your own context. We were having some informal translation, if you want, but much of the conversations were in English. We probably should have been in French in this case, at least. I mean, there were understandable reasons why English was predominant in the meeting, also because the information for the proposal would have to be put together in English because the donor is, is the U.S. government. But still not proper attention was given to the fact that, you know, there was a linguistic issue here. Another aspect that was pretty interesting to me was just more in terms of the very dynamics and the content of the, uh, of the discussions, right? Um, because it was... There was this constant tension during the workshop between yes sharing information on things and then uh, putting forward the proposal right so there were times when different teams even from team niger which was really very good or from the global teams would present stuff like experiences from other programs etc uh, which was like good in terms of information but the thing is that information was not that much the issue in that workshop because prior to that cdu did a wonderful 
job of not only collecting literally dozens of high quality reports produced by USAID and many others, but even, you know, summing, summarizing them and creating Excel tables indicating the main, you know, uh, uh, findings of this document, etc. So, you know, I was there, I was one of these stupid guys that always read, especially in airplanes before going to meetings. And I can be a quite fast reader. So when I was there, I, I basically have written all those things. And I, uh, I should not say this, but I guess I'm a pretty busy person, as everyone else in that room was. Uh, but the thing is that there was other people there that supposedly, you know, were dedicating more percentage of their time to this proposal compared to me. And what I noticed is that the majority of the people didn't read most of these documents. So, you know, there were lots of questions to things that were actually already in these documents. Lots of missing information, even on data and accuracies and what some of the people were saying and so on, which was really bad, right? And the other thing is that everybody was trying to bring um, their own angle into this conversation, which is always great and good, and that's why you need participatory approaches. But somehow we were missing this more broader coding perspective to see how the pieces actually uh, match together. And this person, in this case, which was a writer and facilitator, basically failed to do that because rather than having an open attitude towards the meeting, he's trying to understand the dynamics and, as I said, organizing the information in a coherent way. He was having his own ongoing things pretty strong in some regards, meaning that he was just one voice amongst many and no one was basically, you know, doing this effort to put things together. So I think the workshop was a massive failure. So what I'm wondering how you feel the dynamics in the room were affected by the um, heavy HQ presence. So you mentioned, you know, there were field staff there as well from care, mostly care staff. But do you feel there was equal participation from them and the HQ teams or was it um, different? I think it was different, absolutely. I mean, with the very exception of two or three individuals from the Niger team, many of the others hardly, you know, uh, spoke all during the, the week, and which was really a pity. In in some cases, you could really see that it was a linguistic issue because you could talk with them on French, I mean, in French, on one on one, and they could have wonderful, you know, things to share. Uh, but you know, but, but even those very fluent in English, they were just, I mean, maybe shy is not the word, but just not feeling that there was room for them to, to put forward their ideas. So definitely that was one of the aspects. But as I said, I would say it was not the only one. I mean, language was another and definitely, yes, the, the facilitation, which was not really very good. And, and if, I mean, the program of the workshop, it was not really that bad, but there were things that could have been organized in a different way. A good example is that we dedicated a whole good morning or bloody morning on to budgets, right? I mean, come on, you, you don't really need to bring people from four corners of the world to sit and discuss what is the cost of putting forward an irrigation system of two hectares in a plot of land in region X of Niger, right? It's pure data. And so... Uh, we should have made sure that we were using the time of the worship for things where the aggregate value of having people in the same room really makes sense, right? And everything else is putting aside for smaller groups or for, you know, yes, people working at home with their computers. Everybody has had the experience of being in a workshop that didn't feel like it was as productive as it could be. But, you know, the language is hard and, you know, you're sort of retreading information that was in the pre-read. What's the cost of that? You know, you said that this is a, partly a failure. What are the consequences of failing in this way? You know, the cost of this is that uh, we have wonderful people that work extra hours and that are able to, you know, fix the stuff afterwards. So despite this, 
we put forward a quite good proposal, but that was at a very hard cost in terms of the, uh, you know, life work balance of many people, uh, making others like you, Emily, eventually uh, engage last minute on processes, etc. And that's the problem of an incur. We felt something, we are like kind of too nice to recognize that something is just a failure because we fix it, so at the end, the result is more or less fine. So the, the, the fascinating thing here is that despite all these nasty things that I said before, we produced a proposal which was quite good, but our success in the in the, in the output should not uh, let us avoid thinking on what went wrong during the process. And this is something very characteristic to occur sometimes, right? That we are driven by results, which is absolutely great, it's fantastic. But sometimes because we are a little bit less efficient, we reach these results at a very high cost, emotional cost for the people, and we are human beings. And I don't know why I should have people in the team asking them to work more than eight hours a day as we all have to work. And part of that is because of those inefficiencies. So yes, at the end we succeed, but it should have been very different. It cost us time afterwards and extra efforts. It also cost us a lot of money because the money that we spent there, so the money that we spent in that particular workshop is money that we didn't spend in a few other things. The good news is that First, nothing of this was on, on bad intention. And, and, and that makes a clear difference. I mean, you know, there is sometimes that the stuff happens because people are just too jealous to share. In this case, I think it was just the way it happened because, you know, an unfortunate accumulation of small decisions, but other of the, that it was just minor, minor errors along the way that actually brought us to that workshop, which was not as functioning and as, we, as it should have been. Then I have to say that part of it is also in terms of our own standards. And we in CARE, we have high standards for many things. I mean, I'm really proud of CARE, I mean, for many things, for many reasons. And one of those is because we are really drive by excellence. But of course, we always have exceptions. And one of those is the way we have worships, not only for putting forward proposals, but in general. I mean, our worships are crap on average in terms of how much time we spend on, on meeting in rooms, uh, you know, without understanding how valuable the time of everyone is. I'm exaggerating. I've been in great worships in, in, in care. And I have to say that precisely because of you guys, our knowledge management and learning group in FNS, probably we are quite good compared to other parts of care in that regard. But I think we really have to do much better in terms of worship. So part of this is culture. Because when I go to the, um, you know, the, 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 the results of the survey, that, that uh, we did after this worship in Niger, you would really need to read between the lines to understand that people was not really very happy. And the, the interesting thing is that I was talking with people in the corridors afterwards or during the meeting, and it was not, I mean, it was not mainly me telling them, I don't like how this is going. It was people telling me that also. So there was this sort of, of you know, you're getting some informal feedback and then you're reading it, it looks like nice. And I don't think it's because people just tend to be nice and written. It's also because our standards for workshops in care are pretty low. So a couple of sort of action steps I've heard you say, things that you would recommend for people to do to try to avoid this kind of failure. You've talked about giving direct feedback um, and being pretty straightforward about when something isn't working. I've heard you talk about raising our standards for workshops. What else would you recommend as action steps here? I think one of these things is that, you know, not everybody is good in doing everything. 
Uh, so we have amazing technical people dealing with the devices, and they are doing an extraordinary job that I can, you know, hardly under uh, overestimate. But organizing a workshop of this kind requires certain specific skills, which sometimes are more related to sharing knowledge, and, you know, creating the dynamics in the in the room and so on. So one of these the things that I think we have to 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 look differently is that for this type of activities, not to leave them only in the technical teams but also uh, bring a further say of knowledge management and learning people in terms of how the agenda is put together, deciding on who should participate there, etc. Then I would say part of the responsibility belongs to me, a large part of it. I should say that I just underestimate how important it was for me to have a, a, a say on the workshop when, I, when it was in the designing process, because afterwards it was just kind of too late. And also in terms of selecting the... Um, the, the writer, right? The sort of personality that you require in a writer is not something which is only knowledgeable and skillful on the topic or topics of the proposal, but for a program like this, when you really need to get the best out of so many different teams, including the country office, you need someone that has, uh, you know, the uh, ability to listen and coordinate in a, in a nice way with all the different uh, parts of the organization and also with the, uh, those external to us. So I think putting further attention on the writer and facilitation is very relevant. And the other is bringing forward this notion that we have to open ourselves. I know that uh, we cannot always open these workshops very widely and because some of the information that we uh, discuss there is pretty internal to care because it's a proposal which is competitive and so on. But still, of course, I mean, we should be able to engage with local partners with whom we have been working closely, that, that we really trust, just to modulate our vision with perspectives coming from others, right? I think we'll have a wonderful opportunity to test if, if we are able to do this in a different manner. We have already decided jointly with another country office, which in this case is Malawi, that we will pursue an opportunity, another different opportunity there. So... Um, I will do my best, and, and I know that the team will do its best to make sure that this phenomenal important workshop to shape the theory of change of, of the program, we will do it differently, and we will basically avoid the failures that I was describing. Juan, it sounds like you have some idea of how you would do this workshop next time. Um, if you were to do the Niger workshop again, who would you have in the room? That's a great question. I could make sure first that I could have only an X number of people not from Malawi, not based in Malawi or in whatever the country is. That for sure. I don't think more than maybe 25%, one quarter of the people in the room should be from broader teams. Not meaning that they, that other people in the, you know, from HQ should not be part of this, but they can take part remotely in a specific sessions or they can review documents afterwards or there can be internal conversations. So, you know, you can have one, person from one given team, let's say nutrition, who will be there really speaking on behalf of the whole nutrition team, right? So it's it's he or she that he's representing a whole team. So it's not one person, it's one team embodied in one person. So limiting sharply the number of people from HQA. B, making sure that, that in the mix of people coming from the country office, we have a, a wide representation from the different programs, including practitioners, people in the field for certain sessions, people that, that may not even speak English, 
thought that they could do presentations or describe certain things which are important for everyone else to know. So extension is, you know, people that are really day-to-day -day working with the farmers that can give you this very specific angle of things that, that you only know if you are day-to-day -day working, uh, you know, with the people that way. So open it also to practitioners in the field. And then, as I said before, including a significant number of people, non-care or non-part of the, of the consortium. Uh, I think that is really very important. And that can be whoever can be, you know, yes, external people that we trust, that know the country well, that can bring a different perspective. If you had to sum up the lesson learned here in one or two sentences, what is it? To be more efficient. I mean, we, we could not just run. I mean, we're running in care all the time. But this, this preparation processes is something that we can plan. And actually, we plan them well ahead. But at the end of the day, you know, we just assume that having X number of people in a room will bring some magic. So we didn't plan enough those details, like really who should be and who should not be in the room, how we would cope with the linguistic barriers, how we would make sure that there will be this balance between sharing information and having time for discussion, etc. So paying more attention to the organization to be more efficient. And maybe one final thought also from my side is that I really hope that no one will take any of this personally, because that's exactly the contrary to the purpose that we are looking for. I take all the responsibility as senior director for FNS of all the failures that I just described regarding this worship in Niger, because that was, you know, eventually my responsibility. Uh, this is not about blaming. I think we have to cut that culture of blaming. Responsibility should also go higher uh, to to, to, to the uh, leaders of the organization. So in my regard, I, I fully consider myself responsible for these failures that I just described. Thanks, Juan, for being such a champion and role model for, for creating a learning culture and care. It's so important to our growth.